So we're going to dive in today, and, and here's what I want to kind of kick us off with, this idea that Easter really has two components, two major components. We have the crucifixion, which is God loved you and me so much that he sent his one and only son to pay for the sins of all of humanity, that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish, but they would have everlasting life, right? So Jesus did for you what nobody else would do for you. He paid for your sins. He died on the cross for you. Another way to say it is that he paid your bill. Because the, the Bible says the wages of sin is, is death. And so what he did was he paid the bill for you. So if the crucifixion is about salvation, then the resurrection, the second component, is about the power of God to live the life that he's called us to live. So he didn't just save us, but then he gave us the power to live it out. Amen? So, so what Jesus did was when, after the crucifixion, when they, threw, when they put him in the tomb, I don't, I don't know what happened, but he got up and he, he went on down to hell and he took the keys to death, hell, and the grave, which I think is pretty funny because the devil doesn't even have keys to his own house anymore. Y'all got that? Like he, he's, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't even have the keys. The Bible says Jesus has the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And, and hell, what I want you to get today is that hell is not a place God sends people he's mad at. It's a place where people choose to pay their own bill. So if Jesus paid the bill for you, it would be ridiculous for you to pay it yourself. Another way to say it is it would be ridiculous for you to pay your own bill if Jesus has already paid for it. He already paid on the cross, right? And so... Uh, what we find, what I see, is that many people believe in Jesus. And, and maybe you're one of those. You believe in Jesus. You're on your way to heaven, but you're still walking in death. You're still walking in destruction. You're still walking in defeat. You're still walking in, in, in this kind of like, like uh, this idea that, that there's, there's problems and there's chaos and there's ruins. Things aren't going well for you. You're still walking this, this misery, really. And, and maybe it's because you know about Jesus, and you know Jesus, but maybe, maybe you know about the resurrection, but you don't have the power of the resurrection living inside of you. You don't have that, that resurrection power flowing through your, your, your spirit, man, your body. And so you need to know that Jesus didn't come to just make you like a, a good Christian. He, he, did, he didn't die on the cross so that you could be a good church member or just so you would believe or just so that you, would, that you would be saved. He didn't come for that. He didn't die on the cross for that. Paul said it this way in Philippians chapter 3. He said, all I want is to know Christ and experience the power of his resurrection. Hey, come on, somebody. I want to know Jesus, but I want to experience his power in my life. I want it flowing through my veins. I want it flowing through me. So this is what I want for you today. I want you to leave here not just knowing about Jesus, not just, like, not just knowing about the resurrection, but with the resurrection power living inside of you so you can live the life that God's called you to live. Are you ready for that? So I have two questions for you. The first one is, is this. It's for everybody. Do you know Christ? That's the first question. Like, do you know Christ? And if you do, then, then that's great. But if you don't, then in one simple moment, just like that, you can come to a relationship with Jesus. Just like that. It's like that, that video that we opened up with. 
I love that, man, how, how it just reversed the poem of our lives. It went from life to death, from death back to life. That's what Jesus came to do for us, is to reverse the poem of our life, and he can do that for you in one moment today. But the second question I have is, is a little different. It's for those of you who say, I know Jesus, I know Christ. And, and it's this question, do you know the power of the resurrection? If you know Jesus, that's great. But do you know the power that comes along with the resurrection of Jesus Christ? And what I mean is this. After you gave your life to Jesus, did you allow the power of God to confront the areas of your life where you were drifting and dying? The areas where you were kind of just doing your own thing and, and kind of walking your own way? And I ask this question today because I hear so many Christians who say, man, I believe in Jesus. I, I, man, yeah, yeah. I go to church, and yeah, I pray, yeah, we, we give, but they would say, my life is in ruins. I know Jesus, but my life is in ruins. My life is in chaos. My life is falling apart, right? And so many of us have bought into this lie that it just is what it is. Like, like I'm forgiven, but that doesn't really change who I am. I'm always going to be this way. I'm always going to struggle with these things. You know, my mom did. My dad did. I'm going to, my kids are going to. No, you, it doesn't have to be that way. Like my, my life can never be great again. Ben, I've made too many bad choices in my life and I'm scarred, I'm messed up and I don't, I don't think God could use somebody like me. Like I, I believe in him, but I, I think I'm just, I am damaged goods. You ever heard that phrase? I just, God can't use somebody like me. Um, you might say it this way in the South. I'm just rent. It's rent. You know what I'm talking about? My grandmother said, she'd say that, uh, man, my marriage is rent, my family's rent, my, my Ford pickup's rent. I mean, just everything, it is rent, 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 right? So you might feel that way today. Like, it's just like my life is in ruins. I, I, I don't understand why things aren't going well. So I looked up the word ruin, and it, it means this. It is something reduced to a state of decay, collapse, or disintegration. But the second definition is a little bit more personal. It is the disastrous disintegration of someone's life. And maybe you feel that way today, like, man, my life is just is falling apart. I, I, maybe you know God, maybe you don't, but it's just in collapse. It's in decay. It's in disintegration. It kind of reminded me of, of this week as the world watched as the famous Cathedral of Notre Dame burned. Now, in the South, we say Notre Dame. So for your sake and my sake, I'm going to say Notre Dame because it just doesn't feel right to say Notre Dame. Right? So I'm going to say Notre Dame, but listen. <laughs> Can I get a witness? <laughs> so this, this cathedral, this beautiful cathedral, it's been around for 850 years. They said that the roof of this cathedral was made up of over 5,000 trees that were harvested over 52 acres. Of, uh, and, and now they're actually saying that there are no trees in all of France that are tall enough to rebuild the roof of this cathedral. And, and in a moment, in one moment, it goes from this beautiful cathedral to a pile of ruins. Sure, the walls are standing, but it's in a state of decay and collapse and disintegration. 
And here's what I love about this, though. that In the middle of the ruins and in the middle of the aftermath, God shines his light on what really matters. And he says it's not about the building. It's about the cross of Jesus Christ. And that cross still stands in Notre Dame. And maybe you feel like this is what your life looks like, just, just a heap of ruins, like just ashes. Man, I feel like I, I, can't, I can never do anything right. I'm always trying, but I, I never get it right. And may, maybe you have that sense in your own life today that, that I, I tried, but I, I gave up. I tried to make the right choices, but, but it didn't work out, so I just threw in the towel. Or I, I tried to get my finances in order, and we filed bankruptcy anyway. I, I tried to... I tried to hang out with the right people, but I got with the wrong crowd again, and I just, I just, I made the wrong decision, and I just decided to quit. Or if you're a student here today, man, I tried to make good grades, but it's too late now. You can only bring that F up so high. You know what I'm saying? But no matter, no matter how you got there, no matter how you ended up in that place, you need to know this. It, it, it didn't, it probably didn't happen with one decision. Like, we end up in a place of ruins typically because of a lifestyle of decisions. Typically, typically it's because of a series or maybe a lifetime of decisions where, where we just over and over choose the wrong path, and then we end up in, in a place of ruins. But I'm telling you today that no matter how you got there, no matter how you ended up in that place, you need to know this, that there is hope for you. And in the same way that this golden cross still stands in the ruins of Notre Dame, the cross of Jesus Christ is still standing in your life. It has the final word, and the resurrection power of Jesus Christ is available for you today. Give God praise if you believe that today. I want you to believe that. I want you to know that. His cross is available. The resurrection power is available in your life today. So this is my prayer for you from Ephesians chapter 1. It says, I, I pray that you will begin to understand how incredibly great his power is to help those who believe him. So like, like he has great power to help you if you believe him. And, and where does the power come from? It, it's in the next line. It's the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. So the same power. The same spirit, the same power that raised Jesus from the grave is available for you today. It's available for your marriage. It's available for your home. It's available for your family, for your moral decisions. It's available for your emotions. It's available for every part of your life through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So maybe you're here today, you say, Ben, dude, this sounds great. And, and you know, we're all hyped up because it's Easter. But, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know if this is really for me. I don't, I don't know if I buy into this yet. I don't know if God can really do something with my life. And maybe it would help you to just hear it from somebody else, to hear it from somebody who sits where you sit, to, to hear from somebody who went through 10-plus years of ruin. They believed in God. They believed in Jesus but they didn't have the power of the resurrection living on the inside of them. Why don't you take a look? I grew up feeling like the black sheep in my family and my, my peer group um, at church. I had a hard time feeling like I belonged there. 
Um, it, it, was, it was a very confusing time for me because I felt that closeness and the love of Jesus, but I didn't always feel that in the people around me. I even felt unwelcome or unwanted. I had a hard time um, feeling like I had a place. I think that's where the lie of I'm not allowed really started to take root and started to shape who I was as a person, especially in my teenage years. That carried on for many years, and then when I was about 21, there were some pastors that came to town, and they brought me into the fold. They um, stretched me, they encouraged me, they challenged me, and I got a little taste of what it was like to walk in my giftings, and it was beautiful. They were only there for a short time. They moved um, out of state. Um, about a year later, I ended up moving to the same place, and went to seminary there and did a two-year internship in um, the worship and creative arts. But I also had a really tough time there. I had a lot of heartache and a lot of hurts. I went through a lot of things that made me question what the Word of God says and what I believed in the Word of God. There were moments where that lie of I'm not allowed began to bubble to the surface again. And when I left there, I felt wasted for ministry. I felt as though I was done. I didn't want anything to do with the church. And so I didn't for over a decade. 10 years it took me of depression, anxiety, um, feeling lost and alone, feeling like I wasn't worthy feeling like it was my job to assume a different identity. I felt like I was too much, like I was not enough. I don't know how you can feel those two things at the same time, but I did. Even though God gives us the grace to sit in our season, there's a time where he's gonna prompt me. And that time came for me this last September when I was introduced to City Hope Let me tell you, I did not want to go to that first startup party. <laughs> I, was, I was determined it wasn't going to happen. I knew in my mind that I was just going to experience the same thing I'd experienced time and time again before. And there was going to be no difference, so why go? And man, I argued with the Lord about that for a hot minute. But I just felt, I felt that tug. I felt like this is what I was supposed to do. And so I was obedient. I went to that startup party. And I went home that night in complete tears and just texted my girlfriends and was like, I think I found my home church. And I was just so excited that there was an opportunity and a season for me to connect and to feel like I was part of a community again. I have spent the last 10 years living in a place where I felt like I was just surviving. I felt like the Lord gave me grace to be where I was at, but I wasn't alive. I didn't have joy. I was depressed, I had anxiety. And I feel like now in this season, I feel like the Lord has given me a joy that I haven't had in a long time. And I feel like I can come alive. I feel like I can fly. I feel free. I feel like He is giving me an opportunity to walk out in the giftings that he's given me. So I am currently producing the Sunday morning services. 
So that means that all the lights and sound and video cues that you guys see that make the service run smoothly and help you guys uh, engage and enjoy your time there, that's what our team does and that's something that I help facilitate. I'm also um, going to be starting today helping out with the worship team, which I'm super nervous about, but very excited. Um, and I feel like that's something that has been a heartbeat of mine since I was a little kid. Hey, come on, give it up for what God is doing in, in Stephanie's life. That's awesome. And what I want to do right now is just give you an invitation to just experience what Stephanie has experienced. That, that same that same thing that she's experienced. See, Easter's not an event. It's not just one, it's not something that happened one time 2,000 years ago when, when Jesus got up out of the grave. It's an invitation to a process to let God rebuild and restore you into what he's called you to be. It's the power that lives inside of us. And no matter how broken you think your life is, no matter how, how bad you think it is, your ruins can come to life. So Jesus, when, when he was uh, alive, in the New Testament, we read a scripture where he went to the synagogue one day, and uh, they were, synagogue was kind of like church. They were, they were there, and, and people were teaching, and Jesus went up to the scrolls, and he pulled down the, the prophet of Isaiah, and he read from the prophet of Isaiah the part that says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. And he kept reading for, for several, several lines. And when he rolled it up, he closed it up, he said, hey, today this has been fulfilled in, in your very eyes. In other words, I, what this scripture is about is about me, Jesus. And he said, this is, this is what it's about. I'm fulfilling it. I am I, I'm the, what this scripture is about. So he rolled the scroll up, put it back on the shelf, sit down. And so I want to just kind of, I want to take you through four things that we find in the scripture that Jesus fulfilled. He said, I came to fulfill this. The whole reason Jesus came, was crucified, and rose again was, was for these four things I'm about to tell you. And if you will lean into this, if you'll do these four steps, it'll change your life. If you're paying your own bill, you, you haven't accepted Christ as your Savior, and you're just paying your, paying your own bill, then I want you to consider these four steps today, okay? The first one is this. Jesus came, he rose from the dead so that you could know God. <laughs> That's it. So you could have, that you could know him. The scripture says that the spirit of the sovereign Lord was on, it's on Jesus. He quoted this in Luke. It's on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. But here's the deal. The poor, he's not talking about people who don't have money. Like Jesus didn't come to give people who don't have money some money. That's not why he came. It's talking about people who are bankrupt spiritually. Like they don't have it in there. They, they don't know have a relationship with Jesus. And that's the thing I want you to know is that what God wants for you, what Jesus wants for you is not religion. He wants relationship. See, religion is about everything you have to do to get to God. But relationship is about everything Jesus has already done to get to you. That's the difference. And he wants a relationship with you today. And in one moment, you can have that relationship just like that. You can, you can reverse the poem of your life. You can go from death to life because Jesus is the only one who can take your ashes and take your ruins and make them something beautiful. I've seen way too many people's lives changed not to believe that. Too many people's lives have been changed. 
So here's the catch, though. He gives us a catch in John chapter 11, and he says, I'm the resurrection. He's talking to Martha. And by the way, this is a good note to just, just take this note like the, the resurrection wasn't a thing. It wasn't an event. It's a person. Jesus is the resurrection. He is the power that you need in your life. And he says, the one who believes in me will live. You'll keep living even though you die. So even after you die a physical death, your spirit man lives on eternally in heaven. And he, and he goes on to say, whoever lives by believing in me will never die. There's that, there's that eternal life again. Here's the catch. Do you believe this? That's, that's the one thing. Like, like, like you need, if you want to know God, do you believe this? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? But he didn't come just so you could know God. Like, that's good. Go to heaven. Yay. Awesome. Escape hell. That's great. He came for so much more. The second thing, the second reason that Jesus came was that so you could find freedom. In the same scripture that Jesus read, he said, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Jesus said, I came here. I was crucified and I rose again to bind up the brokenhearted, to heal every part of your life, to settle your yesterdays, to help you get past your past. Come on, somebody. We need that. He came so that you could find freedom in your life, and, and, and everything that's been weighing you down would not weigh you down anymore. That The things that have been keeping you from the, the future God has for you would be broken in Jesus' name. And can I tell you that coming to church for an hour and 15 minutes every Sunday is just part of the journey. It's really just part of the journey. Because real freedom happens when, when you get around the right people in your life. Come on, y'all. Real freedom happens when you get the right people in your life. When, when, when you have somebody who will call you out on things, and they'll say, man, I'm going to lift you up in prayer, and I'm, I'm going to hold you accountable, and I'm with you, and I'm going to encourage you, and I'm going to lift you up, and I'm going to be here for you. That's when real freedom comes. That's when real freedom takes place in our life. This hour and 15 minutes isn't designed to change your life. It's designed to create a hunger inside of you to want to change. Yeah. It's designed to create that hunger for you to want to change. So here's a promise that I love to make, that if you will give us, give City Hope, and I, here's the deal, give it to any life-giving church. I'll, I'll make you this promise. If you'll sell out to Jesus, if you'll do these steps, if you'll come to know God and find freedom and, and, and get some people in your life who will lift you up and encourage you, and you'll go through the growth track, and you'll serve, and, and, and you'll be involved, I'm telling you, in six months to a year, you'll be the one on the screen. Come on, somebody. You'll be giving your testimony because God will have worked in your life in a powerful way. I believe that. But he didn't come just so you could know God, just so you could find freedom and get past your past. He came for more than that. But before I tell you that, here's, I, want, I, want you, I want you to get this. The grace of God will never, it, it will meet you where you are, but it will never leave you where it found you. I'm telling you, like, like we, we've got to sell out to Jesus, but I'm telling you right now, the grace of God will meet you right where you are, but it will never leave you where it found you. If I can say it a different way, Jesus loves you as you are, but he doesn't want you to stay as you are. Like, it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. Like God, God wants to take you on a journey. He has a purpose, and he's trying to take you on a journey of healing and getting past your past. But don't stop there. Don't, don't stop at freedom. 
Keep going because Jesus came. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead so that you could discover purpose. Like there is a reason that you're on this earth. You're not just body mass taking up space. Come on, y'all. Like he created you for a purpose. He came to provide grief for those in Zion. He came to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. What you felt like was ruined, what you felt like couldn't come back to life, he said, no, I'm going to take it and I'm going to make a crown of beauty out of it. He said, I'm going to give you the oil of joy instead of mourning. I'm going to give you a garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. I I have a plan for you. There's a purpose for your life. And this one kind of hits home for me. It, it, It hits home because I guess growing up, I didn't really... I dreamed. I've always been a dreamer. There's one of, there's a gift, a strengths test called the strengths finder. And my number one strength is futuristic. I all, I'm just constantly dreaming. And I've done that all my life. But growing up in, I grew up in East Tennessee. Anybody from Tennessee in here today? Where anybody? See, I'm, a, I'm a all alone out here in Texas. Come on. Maddie said, I'm the only 10 he sees. You're the only 10. I like that. That's good. That's good. So I grew up in East Tennessee, and that's why you can, you can tell I'm not from here, right? So in, in my little hometown, small town in East Tennessee, we just did. I mean, like, we dreamed, but we never really saw anybody's, like, dream come true. It was just kind of small town. And so uh, my dad died when I was seven, uh, and my mom was a single mom for about five years, and then right after... Uh, five, the five-year mark, she remarried, and we had a blended family with, uh, with four boys. Three were my mom's, and one was, was the, my stepdad's. And I was the youngest of four boys. I wasn't the sharpest pencil in the drawer <laughs> growing up. And, and I, I, honestly, I really, my brothers are in, so smart and intelligent. They're, they're super smart. But I was always a C student. And, uh, and in fact, my, my boys are so bright. They're super smart. I'm so proud of them. But they get their smarts from their mom, no doubt about that. I mean, they get them from, from Annalise. And uh, if every once in a while they'll come home on a progress report, they'll have a B. And I'll say, boy, I never made a B in my life. Like that. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, because you made C's. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's true. They put me in my place. But uh, growing up, like learning was a bit of a struggle for me. I, I struggled with math and reading, and uh, I don't know if it was just maturity or, or what it was, but, but uh, I had a hard time uh, with, with those things, and I was in remedial classes up until junior high, and I got to tell you, it is not fun being in remedial classes in junior high. That is not, not a good time to be there. Well, I, I struggled with like um, art- articulation and words, and, and it was just, just something I was going through, right? Well, that kind of went on into my adulthood, and, and the first time that I ever uh, shared a devotion at our church that we came from in Alabama, we were there almost 15 years, and the pastor, our first year there, it was, it was uh, Thanksgiving in 2003, he said, Ben, why don't you share a devotion at our Thanksgiving service? And I'm like, yeah, man, I'll share a devotion. But at the very, the very first time I ever spoke publicly to the church, I said the F word in church. But not the F word you're thinking about. It's a different F word. And I said, uh, I, I said, uh, I was talking about being thankful. We've got to be grateful. And I said, we have to have thankful farts. 
ah, why did I say that? How do you put an F where the H is? And it was like, I never lived it down for 15 years. I heard it over and over and over again. Remember that time you said thankful farts in church? <laughs> heard it over and over, right? Well, uh, going into high school, I chose, I chose a, um, to take the technical path in high school because I wanted to make sure I graduated high school. And I was the only one of our, our kids, the only one of four boys to graduate high school. The first one to leave our hometown, I said, I am getting the heck out of here. And I went to Bible college. And I, when I look back on my life, y'all, I'm not saying this to brag because my life's not worth bragging about. I'm, I'm just saying that when I look back on my life and I see what God's been able to do with somebody who was a C student, with somebody who didn't have their act together, with somebody who wasn't great in the educational world, with somebody who, who didn't have it all together, and I look back and see that I've been living in my purpose for the last 15 or 20 years, I'm telling you, I want that for you. I want you to find your purpose, and more than I want it for you, God wants you to find your purpose. He wants you to live it out. He wants you to dream big and live it. He does. So he, he, he gives you a purpose, but... He, Here's the thing I want to leave you with here is that God sees greatness in you that you can't see yourself. So don't count yourself out. Don't think, I, I can't do this. My life is too messed up. My life, God could never use somebody like me. That's just not true. So know God. He came so that you could know God. But Jesus, he rose from the dead so you could find freedom. He rose from the dead. He has resurrection power so you can discover purpose. But even more than that, he doesn't want you to just discover the purpose. He wants you to go and make a difference in somebody else's life. That's what he wants you to do. Jesus, as he's quoting it, he turns it around. This is in Isaiah's version, but it says, they will re rebuild the ancient ruins. Talking about you. You will rebuild the ancient ruins. Come on, somebody. You will restore the places long devastated. Those of you who've had generational issues in your family where maybe, maybe there was an alcohol addiction or some sort of addiction or maybe there was some sort of stronghold in your family that generation after generation was rearing its ugly head. Can I tell you that it can stop with your family and God can rebuild the ruins in your life and in your family and you will renew ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. God can do that in your life. He can do it in you. So what, what does it look like to find freedom, Ben? I, what, what is this about? What is, it, what is it about, like, making a difference? What are you talking about? When you look at Stephanie's life before the resurrection power, and she's living in depression, she's living in cynicism, doesn't like the church and doubt and anger and fear, and just, just, just kind of like, I know Jesus, but I don't want anything to do with the church. And now you look at it and see what God's been doing in her life and how he is taking her ruins and restoring it to something beautiful. That's what God wants to do for you. That's why now she's overseeing a production team. Now she's, she's sending out schedules for our entire dream team. She's taking on responsibility. She's such a key part of this church. I can't even begin to tell you. But it started with God rebuilding her ruins. It started with her letting the resurrection power in. And I'm, I'm just telling you to the, today that when, when we started this church, we dreamed that it would be a church like this, what, what you're seeing right now. When we started City Hope, we did a survey online, and we asked people to tell us why don't you go to church. 
Why, why do you stay away from church? Because whatever answers they gave, we didn't want a church like that. We wanted to do everything in our power to create a church that people would want to go to. And the number one reason why people wouldn't go to church, they say, I don't go to church because it's judgmental. I don't go to church because it's hypocritical. I don't go to church because y'all are a bunch of Republicans and you don't like immigrants. <laughs> Serious. Those were real answers. Like, those were top ones. And I'm just saying, like, y'all need to know, like, your, your pastor is married to an immigrant family, so, so, like, you need to know that. Like, we love, we love every person here. And I'm just saying, like, we want to build the kind of church that people like Stephanie can, can be rebuilt, come out of the ashes, find that resurrection power. See, the reason why people, the reason why people think that, that churches are judgmental and that they're hypocritical is the last time they went to church, they heard a preacher that was just preaching down their nose, hellfire and brimstone, you better turn or you're going to burn. Because I'm telling you, if you don't stand for something, you're going to fall for anything. And you may be out there smoking them cigarettes. It may not send you to hell, but it'll make you smell like you've been there. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You got, you got all them obstacles that are standing in your way. I'm telling <laughs> Listen, I'm, I'm telling you, we want the kind of church where people can come in with whatever baggage, with whatever ruins that they have, with whatever going on in your life, and you can find hope, and you can find freedom, and you can find truth. Because church is not about telling people how bad they are. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. And I'm telling you, there's no grave that can hold you down. Come on, give God praise today. Oh, shame is a prison as cruel as a grave. And shame is a robber, and he's come to take my name. Oh, love is my redeemer, lifting me up from the ground. And love is the power where my freedom song is found. There ain't no It's 
Oh, come on, let's give Jesus the praise. Let's give Jesus all the praise. Jesus, you alone are worthy. <laughs> Amen. Amen. That's what I want for you. I, I, want this, I, want store, I want Stephanie's story to be the same for you today. Like the same thing that happened for her can happen for you. Like what God did for her, he can do for you. If, if he did it for somebody then, he can do it for somebody now. Whatever he did for somebody else, he can do for you. I believe that. 